Welcome to the Go Podcast. Go aspires to engage the local church in global missions. We seek to share mission stories that encourage, edify, and equip other Christians in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ at home and abroad. This podcast is a part of Liberty Bible Church Global Ministry. Your hosts for Go are Cami Sandner, a missions partner with Liberty, and joining her is Kevin Cram, pastor of global engagement at Liberty Bible Church. Welcome back to Go. We're starting a brand new series today entitled The Nations Next Door, where we will be focusing on the interesting and compelling trend of the people of the world increasingly moving into our communities and neighborhoods. This demographic trend presents an unprecedented opportunity for the gospel. Unlike in generations past when a missionary had to travel across oceans and continents to have contact with the unreached, today those same people groups are coming to our country and living in our towns and cities. We can now step out of our front doors and engage in cross-cultural ministry. During this series, we hope to change the way missions are looked at. So, Cami, who are we talking with today? Today, we have the honor of talking to Kurt Reynolds. Kurt serves as Associate Director with the Navigators in their Nations Within ministry. Nations Within focuses on people within the United States who have a primary culture or national identity district from the majority culture. Thank you for being here. Uh, thanks. It's really my honor to be here today. Kirk, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this position? You know, that's a good question. It was uh, during my final seminary year at Grace Theological Seminary, Janice and I were praying about going to Russia. Uh, Russia had just opened up uh, as a country for evangelicals to come. And uh, I thought it'd be, fun, it'd be great to really just pray that year and uh, seek the Lord's will on how uh, what he what he wanted us to do, and it happened to be a navigator staff couple moved in the apartment below us in our apartment building, and he had just got on a plane going to Bulgaria, and had a panic attack, hmm. and he couldn't go. He got off the plane, and for the next year he lived below us. And I thought, well, as uh, as I watch him and as we pray together about missions and opportunities, wouldn't it be neat just to see how God uh, guides his life, and who would have known that uh, he had opportunities to go to a number of different college campuses, but then an African-American navigator called and said, you know, nobody's doing any ministry in the inner city of Chicago. And uh, I I had been going with him on all these trips to, to see uh, and pray with him uh, about his next steps. And as I as we both went into Chicago, you know, the typical thing, not knowing, I never grew up in Chicago or really among African Americans or the poor, uh, not knowing what to expect. But we got out of the car in the inner city of Chicago, and all I saw were these kids running all over the neighborhood. Nobody was supervising them. It looked like they hadn't changed their clothes all summer. Some didn't even have shirts on, uh, the boys, and they were playing basketball in the back alley, uh, shooting at a square milk crate. Uh, as their rim. And I said, man, why do I need to go all the way to to Russia when there's such a need uh, for missionaries to come and and be a part of a community like this? Oh, that's, that's awesome. So set the stage for us a little bit, because when we traditionally think of missions, um, what do you think usually comes to mind for most people? You kind of intimated a little bit, 
Um, but what's kind of the popular conception of missions and missionaries for most people, do you think? Well, I've been at this a long time, about 35 years. But when I first started, we were the first urban missionaries with the navigators uh, going into inner city. The typical uh, missionary, even today, is still kind of uh, viewed as somebody who goes overseas, um, who feels called by God to share the good news in a foreign land. Right. So now you work in a world where things like globalization and immigration have kind of flipped this whole idea on its head. So what are some of these phenomena, and how have they altered or expanded their traditional view of missions? You know, my boss just told me today that uh, 790 families from Afghanistan arrived in San Diego this morning. Wow. That's a lot. Uh, you can't believe how many people have come from all over the world to the United States. And with the new freedoms they have uh, and a hunger to find the truth of God, uh, we're just finding uh, families left and right come to the Lord. Uh, it's just amazing. You know, the 1040 window of trying to get missionaries into some of these closed countries. Now you have missionaries from those countries coming here. And not only are they coming to know the Lord, they're sending the message back to their friends and family back in countries that are still closed to the gospel. Um, you know, we're, uh, we're just seeing all kinds of uh, opportunities, even in the United States now, where you can learn the language of a country you want to go to and the culture by going to live in a country, uh, in a community that's maybe Indian, Hindu, uh, or maybe it's Muslim. Uh, it's it just, uh, there's all kinds of opportunities uh, to advance the gospel now um, from, from these folks that have come uh, from other places. Yeah, it's really interesting because, um, in fact, Cammie and I just got back from a, an experience last weekend where we were up in Minneapolis with a team and uh, part of this experience is that we got to go into a Somali market. So I had no clue, but uh, Minneapolis has the largest Somali population outside of Somalia. Did you eat the camel meat? I had. We had goat meat. But I didn't have the it's camel close meat. Enough, close right? enough, yeah. <laughs> but it was it was crazy. I mean, this was a entire city block. That was yeah. taken over. That that yeah. you know was almost like an indoor mall. It had a mosque. It had all these Somali stands with food, clothing, everything. And you walk in, and you felt like you're in a foreign country. It was incredibly. We were we were probably yeah. the only white Westerners yeah. in that entire building with thousands of thousands of people, yeah. and it was just such an amazing experience. And I we, we looked around at each other. We were like, is this the United States of America? And the answer is yes. This is the way that our country is changing, and it prevents, or presents so many opportunities. Um, so you mentioned kind of the, your ministry that you help lead with the Navigators, Nations Within. Can you tell us a little bit about that ministry, and what are you guys doing to kind of adapt to some of these trends? Yeah, you know, the new trend is that we're having young people come and join us, uh, be involved in ministry, and they're not you wouldn't consider them missionaries. We call them conventional income disciple makers. They have jobs that mm -hmm. they go to uh, during the day. In fact, it, it would be really odd for a foreigner to come and see somebody who lives in the community and not have a job. Uh, so right. this gives them legitimacy in a community. But these, um, again, we call them CIDs, conventional income disciple makers. They have started all kinds of ministry and actually have moved into immigrant communities it's it's just 
unbelievable. So we have an urban farming ministry. We have health facilities, a women's fitness facility, bakeries, uh, Christian job placement services, a resale shop, uh, a discipleship house, barber shop, and language tutoring, obviously, along with child care. And, and many others have simply just become neighbors in some of these communities and, and have a phenomenal outreach. And that's, again, that gives them opportunity to be in these communities legitimately and seen as really a, a, a ministry that, that helps the local uh, immigrant population. Yeah, that's really cool. I love the even the name Nations Within of the image that that provokes in my mind of like, you know, we think of nations as something out there. You know, the the unreached people groups out there, 1040 window, that sort of thing. When reality, it, these nations are here with us. Um, and in fact, I, I just want to maybe follow up a little bit with a little bit more generally, because in kind of the mission statement that Nations Within has is to reach and to focus on peoples here in the United States whose primary cultural or national identity is distinct from the majority culture. Can you explain that a little bit more in depth? Like, what does that mean? What does that, what does that include? That seems like a very broad and expansive scope. Um, yeah, it is very broad. In fact, uh, uh, so when we talk about distinct communities that primarily still have a distinct language, uh, we also include Native Americans. And right. uh, we're on the Hopi uh, Reservation, which is one of the most closed uh, non-Christian uh tribes in, in the United States. But uh, then we have folks that are um, specifically working with Hindus to, to reach them for Christ, along with uh, many uh, uh, Muslims. And, and I, I don't want to brag, and I don't want to give a number, but we have a number of Afghan staff now that have joined us. Wow, that's cool. And uh, the exciting thing is they already have a vision to place Afghan churches throughout all the United States and our major cities. Hmm. And they're well on their way to do that. Uh, it's, again, it's just phenomenal how many Afghans have come to, the, to Christ along with others. And, you know, we, we do this, and, and I want to challenge our listeners, we do this by encouraging our friends uh, from other countries to come and, and read the holy books with us together. Hmm. And especially as you think about Christmas coming uh, one of the great things, one of the great opportunities, even if if somebody's not a foreigner, you go to your neighbor or coworker and say, "Hey, come come to my house for Christmas, and let's read the Christmas story together." Uh, just get them started in Luke first, uh, chapter one and chapter two, and you know what we find is when people start reading the scriptures, they come to Christ. Mm, yeah. So you've given us a little bit of a picture of some of these opportunities. Can you tell us what you think of these trends are significant with the completion of the Great Commission? Yeah, uh, again, this is, I think, the way the Lord has orchestrated uh, our time. Mm. Um, If we want to impact in the world, um, and it's so difficult to get into different countries, I think our best opportunity would be behind some of these Afghan pastors or, uh, again, focus on our community and what we can do. When I think of um, uh, Tom and Amy Bearby, for example, hosting international students in their home. We'll be having them on the podcast in a couple (laughs) weeks. Yeah. (laughs) What a great way uh, to reach out to your local uh, 
university and invite a student to come stay with you and have an influence. Um, you know, when I think of Comchon, I yeah. know that rings to many of us uh, a dear saint in our hearts. Comchon was a, a man from Laos who worked at our church for 38 years um, and was just an amazing man. I mean, anytime you saw him in the hall, he had a great, great, huge smile on his face. He came from Laos, and when he landed in San Francisco, one of our sponsors from this church met him. And he, he said he didn't know what to do, so he came out and he hugged him. <laughs> and we put him eventually in one of our houses here that the church owned, and he became a part of our community. I would love to see us do that uh, with with our Afghan friends, or mm. or even if you think about uh, those coming from the southern border, we we have opportunities to take care, and really uh, again have an opportunity to to change a family. You know, I think of the story in Acts where uh, the the fledgling church is in Jerusalem. It's the very early years, and um, you know, multiple times it, the scripture says that multiple thousands of people were added to their number that day, and then it seemed like the church got to a wall, you know, like they, they were comfortable in their experience uh, of togetherness in the Jerusalem church. And then what happens in Acts chapter six, it's the stoning of Stephen mm-hmm. and persecution breaks out in the, the Jerusalem church and the church is scatters. It says the entire church in Jerusalem was scattered into Samaria and beyond. And only the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. And, it, and it, there's a really awesome and curious verse tucked into that story. It said it was in that moment that the gospel first entered into Samaria. And it's almost like be, it's beyond, it was beyond the church's expectations and God did it in a way that they didn't expect, but God was not, thwarted in his purposes. And I almost see this trend as something like that. You know, I don't think 50 years ago or 100 years ago, we could have even imagined that this would have been what God had done to bring so many people who are unreached to, to knowledge of, of, of Jesus. But that's what was in God's plan. And it's amazing what he's doing in that. Yeah, we would never have, uh, we would never be have a, any kind of impact in the Middle East if it wasn't for uh, Middle Easterners now coming to the United right. States. You know, when missionologists think about uh, missions, they go back and look at movements, and they th- they see a movement as uh, reaching a thousand people in fifteen years. Mm-hmm. You know, now we're doing it, yeah. but we never. I mean, if you go look throughout history, we never had that kind of impact in the Middle East until now. Right. I mean, it's amazing. So, um, one final question. I think this is really. Important question, um, because what in what ways do you see these changes challenging the local church? And I would say the majority culture, local church in the United States. How would you like to see the church respond to these opportunities of the nations coming here? Well, I guess it would probably start with you, Kevin, and the church or others um, who have a heart for this, but to take trips to see some of the missions around the United States. I was in. I've been to I've been to the Somali community in Minnesota, but there's uh there and uh, Las Vegas there's a dear lady really working with uh, Afghans, uh, helping with uh, tutoring and, and English language, and uh, I'm not going to name some other she doesn't belong to the NAVs I'm not going to name some other ministries <laughs> with the United States navigators, but there are literally wonderful works going on here in the United States. And again, you don't have to be a, 
a full-time or support-raised missionary to do these um, ministries. And then I think that would bring it back to our church. What can we do to reach out to the uh, uh, immigrant-specific people groups here in our community? Um, And I'd like to see, I'd love to see some of our summer trips Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it would be with teens, although they'd be a little young, they had to be mature uh, teens, but go into the, some of these communities and make a difference. There's opportunities to serve, whether it be the urban farming or uh, the resale shop or the ladies' fitness. I mean, there's there's opportunities and places where we could send people and they could really get a vision and and start to learn about a culture and a language that they've yeah. never heard before and, and really make a, a kingdom difference. Yeah, I even think like if we ever want to send, if we ever have people that want to go overseas and to be cross cultural ministers, like why aren't why don't they get started now? Like, in fact, maybe we should even expect it of our missionaries that if you're not doing that in our local community, can we even expect or have confidence that you're going to do that? in another country where it's much harder. So I think, I think the challenge is great that you're giving us. I think it's really, really important. Okay. I got one more thing I'd like to share. Sure. Uh, there's a wonderful article, uh, Moody Bible Institute, where they honored a hundred year old missionary. And uh, she's pictured here. I, I know the audience can't see, but uh, the family uh, asked her, why did you go be a missionary? Uh, she was a missionary uh, in India. And she said, you know, when I thought about Jesus feeding the 5,000, he didn't feed just the front roll. Those that felt like they could get close, uh, the sinners and, and those that were disfranchised in the back, he fed them all. Mm-hmm. And, and I just love that quote from her that we're really, our job is really to feed them all. Yeah. We can't just feed those that are coming on a Sunday morning because they're able to. But the ones that can't come or don't feel like they can come, that's the ones we want to reach. Yeah. Well, amen to that. Well, thanks for being here uh, so much. We really appreciate you sharing with us uh, today. So before we wrap up our episode, we want to kind of end on a, with a note of personal reflection, as we always do. And so um, we just kind of frame it as a question towards each other. So Cammie, um, how are you going to be leaning into prayer? What are kind of some of the reflections that you're going to take with you for this week as a result of our conversation? How much time do we have? <laughs> well, a lot I want to share. Um, I, d- I just think it's crazy, this whole idea of the nations coming to us. I've always struggled. I mean, the majority of my life, I went to a primarily white school. You know, I it's a town that's similar, a church that's similar, and I always heard that the nations were right next door, but it's like, okay, but where? How do I, how do I get to them? And so this idea that it's really just a, a change of mindset, whether it's prayer, or a heart change, or a physical opening my eyes, but they're there, and it's all about us serving them. It's not how do we get them into church. It's just how do we love them like Jesus would have. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think that where I've been leaning in uh, because of this is just thinking – of the opportunity, but also being a little intimidated by the obstacles. Um, as a missions pastor, like I have the joy of being able to mobilize, equip people to enter into ministry and mission and outreach. Um, but I tell you what, it can be discouraging sometimes because there's a lot of like, I hate to use the word, but prejudice. There's yeah. a lot of 
preconceived notions. There's a lot of fear um, that exists within our communities. And, um, you know, there, there, there's a, a huge mountain to climb when it comes to these spiritual obstacles. And it just breaks my heart to think that um, the understanding and vision that we have of the, of the people from other nations, from, from those that need Jesus in our neighborhoods and our next door comes more often from our cable news channels than it does from the scripture and from a vision uh, that God has for all people. And, uh, so if you're, if we're asking each other, like, what are, what are, how are we leaning into prayer? I guess where I'm leaning into prayer this, this morning is gosh, just asking God to overcome some of those and tremendous obstacles that are keeping people from really seeing the opportunity around them. These trips might help. Yeah, well, we're <laughs> praying for that, definitely. Thank you for tuning in and listening. We aspire to give you real-life stories and experiences to help you in your current phase of life. As always, you can tune in next week as we hear from Matt H., who will share with us specific opportunities among international students. And remember to go and make your life a mission.